The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello, welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Katie Mox here with Will Brinson. And as you know, this is our All 32 series, the series where we catch you up with insiders and give you the need-to-know information for every single NFL team ahead of the year. Today, we're covering the Carolina Panthers with senior writer for Panthers.com, Darren Gant. Darren, you are at training camp right now in the trenches, in a dorm, taking some time out for us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I sorry about the backdrop. What it makes, what it lacks in space, it makes up for in charm. I promise. <laughs> well, I mean, but you are you are literally in the trenches too. Are you and are you are you staying in the dorm for the course of the for the training camp? Yeah, I'll be in the dorm. I remember when the Marriott opened in downtown Spartanburg in two thousand four. When I was at the newspaper, we all had great sport with the people who worked for the team and said, "Ah, you suckers, we get to stay in a Marriott and get points and drink beer at the end of the night." <laughs> and now I'm in the dorm, and I think uh, I think Marty Herney is probably texting me to mock me <laughs> as we speak. So. And Marty, Marty, meanwhile is at the Marriott, and you are, and you are, you are locked up in that dorm. I mean, it's it is though. Like, I think that's one of the cool things about the way the Panthers do it too is that it's it has that very uh, sort of communal sense. Right. I mean, and, and like, and some teams, some teams are still good about it, and some teams have decided to move away from that sort of approach to training camp. But it has, it is a very southern sort of appeal to it, where everybody kind of rolls into Spartanburg almost like it's a like summer camp, right? Yeah, no doubt. I, I kind of like the idea of training camp. I was talking to Frank Reich and Dom Capers about the 95 camp the first time they came down here. And, you know, they always remember all the inconveniences, the dorm, it was hot and all that kind of stuff. But everybody loves the idea of training camp. Now, is it inconvenient? Yes. There were trucks at Bank of America Stadium packing up a weight room a couple of days ago and moving it 90 miles down the road. That's not the easiest thing for all the ops people and stuff like that. But I do like the theory of coming away to training camp for a couple, three weeks, maybe. I mean, Dom and Frank's first camp was about five weeks because they played in the Hall of Fame game when mm. they were in the expansion team and they were down here for 
forever. And they were doing two a days and everybody was sick of each other by the end of that thing. But there is some bonding that happens when you're out on the road, sequestered away from the stuff. I mean, when your choices are walk down the hall in the dorm and talk to your position coach or go do the things that normal human beings do in their own homes, it gives you a chance to work on more of the football. So just to, just to follow on that too, like, I don't know that, um, I don't feel like it's being widely talked about maybe as much as it, it, it could be, but Dom Caber is the first ever Panthers coach. Like, yeah. I mean, I remember, you know I mean? Like I'm, I'm no longer youthful, but I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember as a, you know, as a young person in North Carolina, like when the Panthers came to, like the Panthers were here, like, oh, no. and you, and it, it was weird because you had no, you had some people who love Washington and you had some, you know, it's like, I guess some people liked Atlanta. There was no, like mm. the Panthers showed up and, and Dom Capers, the inaugural head coach. And then Frank, right. The first quarterback. And now they're back. And I, I feel like it's, I don't know if the, the generation will shift with Panthers fans just isn't, is it resonating, but it feels like that's not really being played up as much as it could be. Um, maybe, maybe, and maybe that's more national. Well, I, I don't know. And, and Dom was kind of a regional appeal, obviously went on, was head coach again in Houston and had a long stint as coordinator in Green Bay, you know, and has a great career. But I think it speaks to, you know, A, not only have we been in the nostalgia. And again, if you check out Panthers.com, you'll see our big features from last week on Musim Muhammad and Julius Peppers, who were just yes. added to the Panthers Hall of Honor. Uh, so there's been a lot of nostalgia going on. But also, I think when you talk about the lot of them, not just Frank and Dom, look on the other side of the ball, and there's a Jim Caldwell. And I've said all offseason, Jim Caldwell was not a good head coach. Jim Caldwell was a great head coach. He mm. won at Detroit, for God's sakes. And he's here in just kind of this overseeing senior advisor role that's kind of nebulous, and nobody really knows what he does. But it's Jim Caldwell, and it just speaks to the seriousness of this coaching staff. And I think that, you know, I'm sure we'll get into Bryce Young and all the other changes that have been made around here. But that was step one in fixing this thing after going through the Matt Rule years. And, you know, they got a little bounce last year at the end with Steve Wilkes as the interim. But just the depth and talent and competence of this coaching staff is unlike anything they've ever had around here. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I even think like, and you were actually you were answering the question that like I think we were going to follow with, which is like, what's the, what's the difference? <laughs> right? Yeah, that's you're that's, one that's, step ahead of the game. I know. Well, but the like the, I mean, I, and I don't want you, I don't want you to have to uh, overstep your bounds as as you know because you work for the team. But like, I am curious, what are the differences? Like, what, what are some of the differences yeah. that people might not understand between what Frank Reich is doing here? Because it reminds me a lot maybe of Doug Peterson and, and Urban Meyer, not not yeah. necessarily to that extent, but just a professional. And it, yeah, same, same, same tree, too. But I mean, I mean like, I, and not to disparage anyone else. And exactly. Best, best of luck to Matt Rule in Nebraska. Hope him and his friends he took with him all have incredible success there. <laughs> but it didn't work. Okay, yeah. it just didn't work. And he he wasn't ready for this kind of job. I think if he had walked into a situation where he had a stable quarterback position and a healthy Cam Newton, maybe all this stuff turns out differently. And maybe Matt Rule's going into his fourth or fifth training camp. But the the confluence of having an unsettled quarterback position and a coaching staff that was trying to learn the NFL on the fly. I mean, just look at the the amount of experience. There are over 200 years of NFL <laughs> coaching experience on this staff. 
there's another 75 years of NFL playing experience on this staff. When you talk about guys like Frank Reich, Josh McCown, Sean Jefferson, James Campen, these were legit NFL players for a long time and legit NFL coaches. And I think it's just night and day. I mean, again, nothing against anybody else who was here, but the difference is obvious. I mean, Deuce Staley, like you, you it's like you lived through there and it's like just dudes who played and dudes who were good players and guys who were well-respected coaches. I mean, it's, I, I think the, I, I keep getting asked like, um, and yeah, you know, I have like a, a lot of family, obviously or Panthers fans are just like, yeah, like we really thought like Steve Wilkes was going to work out. It's like, they love Steve Wilkes. Steve sure. Wilkes is great, Steve but is you right. need to understand what Frank Reich is bringing to this. And it is a level of professionalism and the coaching staff he's put together is just a, a night and day. Yeah, and, and there are three guys on this staff who interviewed for the head coaching job. Defensive coordinator Jero Vero uh, was one of those guys, along with Jim Caldwell. And, you know, it's just a it, – I, I can't say it enough. It's a deep, competent – I've referred to half-jokingly around the, the building this offseason. Jim Caldwell, to me, is like a competency bomb that has been dropped <laughs> on this place and it, and it just washes over everybody. And, and it's that way throughout the staff. It's not just Jim. It, it's the lot of them. I mean, having a Chris Tabor coaching special teams, you know, who was a holdover from the previous staff, but just so many good, solid, knowledgeable NFL established assistant coaches around here. And that's going to help because there are a lot of changes and there's a lot of unknown about this football team right now. But if you're going to have a bunch of new parts and a rookie quarterback, these are the kind of people you want Shepard and Malone. All right, Darren, let's, uh, let's get down to brass tacks on that rookie quarterback. How does Bryce Young look so far? And is there any chance whatsoever that he isn't the week one starter? He looks tall. He looks very, very tall. I don't think enough can be made of that this offseason. He's practically a giant. Um, no, Bryce is uh, – he's getting some bojangles in him. He got his sponsorship deal the other day, so life's good for Bryce Young. Um, mm-hmm. There is a 0% chance he is not the starter in mm. week one. Come on. I mean, that decision was made in March when yep. they traded two ones, two twos, and DJ Moore for the first pick in the draft. Whoever it was going to be was going to be the week one starter. He knows the drill. Andy Dalton knows the drill. Everybody – I mean, they may not say it just because you don't have to. And I, I, there are some reporters out there who are really bothered by this and think Frank Reich should declare today or something. But there's not really any point in it. I mean, it's everybody knows what's going on here. Bryce is that guy. He was that guy from the moment – you know, they gathered together and started scouting these quarterbacks. And the anticipation is that he is, yes, in fact, going to be the starting quarterback when they open the regular season. All right. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. And then I'm curious about, uh, with DJ Moore gone, what we think about the pass catchers for Bryce Young. Coming up next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So Adam Thielen, Hayden Hurst, DJ Chark, sort of the big notable additions. Obviously, the the more trading DJ Moore is not what you want to do because he's, he's a really good player, but it's what had to be done if you wanted to go up to the number one overall pick. Right. Um, do you feel like the, those additions in free agency were built around the idea of we know Bryce Young is going to be the guy when we draft him. Right. We want to raise – we know he's got a really high floor, but we want to raise that floor even more. Like, those are not home run no. attempts. They're, they are, they're like you know, uh, stand-up doubles or right. seeing-eye singles, right? And, and, I, and I think, you know, we were recording our podcast that we do – we call it the happy half hour a couple weeks back during OTAs. <laughs> and I said, if this offense had a – sound effect it would be like pew 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 you know, <laughs> quick and it's not necessarily going long but the ball's getting out quick that's what Bryce Young's good at he's good at distributing he's good at making quick decisions he's good at improvising going off script with things so what they did is insulate him with a lot of those quote-unquote safe targets I mean Adam Thielen what's he got about 15 two-yard touchdowns over the last couple of years. I mean, he's always yeah. been a red zone target because he knows how to get open. Hayden Hurst is another one of those. I think Miles Sanders, if you go back to Miles's rookie year in Philadelphia when some guy named Deuce Staley was his position coach, he caught 50 balls. And, and I think it was intentional to put those kind of parts around Bryce to allow him to make those quick, easy throws, keep the ball moving, keep the keep things moving along. And, and in watching him throughout the OTAs, he has been as advertised. He's good at distributing. It's It's more of a point guard than you know, oh my gosh, look at Justin Herbert. He just threw the football over the mountain. That's not really what's happening here. So I think a lot of that is by design for Bryce Young. A lot of it is because of the influence uh, of Thomas Brown as offensive coordinator. I mean, he comes out of that house of McVay and you know the kind of offense they run. It's not necessarily big home run stuff. It's a lot of change of directions. It's a lot of fool people a little bit with what you're doing pre-snap and that kind of stuff. And, it, and I think that's probably based on what we've seen in June uh, and May through OTAs. That's probably what it's going to look like, especially early on as they get this thing going. Darren, you bring up uh, Miles Sanders, and it really feels like that addition suddenly gives the Panthers another possible feature back. Do you expect him to get the lion's share or rather the Panthers share of the carries or will it be somewhat committee? Are you obliged to do a sound effect when you do that? Should you say? Oh, oh, oh yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Uh, my um, buddy and I used to be able to do a pretty good Panthers uh, stadium <laughs> scoreboard noise, but <laughs> no, I, I don't think I don't think there's necessarily a committee in the backfield. I mean, Miles was signed to be the guy. He was the running back who got paid this offseason, and they did that with intent of giving him a lot of carries and, and throwing the ball his way a good bit, I imagine. So. It's not going to be quite a Christian McCaffrey situation because they do have some other guys. And I mean, um, if you look at Chuba Hubbard, what he was able to do second half of last year is kind of that second guy along with Deontay Foreman. You know, he's a guy who's got some home run speed. They've got a guy, Raheem Blackshear, who had some pop last year on returns, who is good at catching the football, probably better than Chuba in that regard. And I think that's going to open up some stuff for him. Raheem Blackshear is going to be that name that everybody pops 
up and notices during preseason because I imagine he's going to put up big stats in the preseason if Miles isn't necessarily playing a lot because he's a talented kid and he's got a little juice in the run game, but he's very good at catching passes. And I think that's something that, you know, could allow him to kind of get in there. So defensively, yeah, I mean, I think – I don't know. Like, offensively, I'm a lot more bullish on this Panthers team than – and a lot of that is Frank Reich, man. Like, I know we're – I'm not trying to just pile praise on Frank Reich, but when he got fired, Jim Irsay was bragging about his record in Indianapolis. It's like, you just fired him, dude. What are you doing? And it's just like that competency, that level of putting quarterbacks in position feels like the the floor is really like league average offense for, for the Panthers, right? I mean, is that fair? It feels that way. And I think, honestly, there are probably more questions for me on the other side of the ball. I mean, we mentioned well, that's what that was. Yeah, that was going to be my follow up. It's like, yeah. what what are we looking at on this on the back end of the secondary is like, um, you know, J.C. Horn, you know, clear, great talent. Right. Uh, the injuries you have to deal with Jeremy Chin, like what, what, specifically to the back end. How do we think that's shaping up? Well, the good news is, I mean, if you look at the secondary that lost that game in Tampa in week 17 last year to kind of lose a playoff spot, believe it or not, um, if you look at that secondary, it's not going to look anything like that because Dante Jackson's back from a torn Achilles. He's moving around well, expected to be able to go on Wednesday. JC told us this morning, and we just wrote about it on Panthers.com, he's 100%. He's ready to go. He's cleared and ready to practice. So he had a little foot thing during the offseason, other foot from his rookie year. And and listen, he gets it. He knows that that's the question with him. Everybody's going to wonder about the health because when he was out with that broken wrist against the Bucks, they went right after the non-JC Horn guy. And he's got the kind of talent to be one of those erasers, one of those guys that the other team just doesn't even throw at. And Dante Jackson's made some plays as a result of it in the last couple of years. So um, they've got talent there. JC mentioned specifically this morning, bringing in Von Bell to start at safety does two things. It gives you two wise elders back there in the deep middle between him and Xavier Woods, and it allows you to move Jeremy Chen around. Jeremy's always been kind of a guy without a home. What is he? Is he linebacker? Is he safety? Is he this? Is he that? This year, he's a nickel. And probably, I mean, if you go out in base defense, which teams do about, what, 25, 30% of the time in the NFL, he may not necessarily be a quote-unquote starter, but Jeremy Chen is going to be on the field a bunch and doing a lot of things. Now, by having a Von Bell next to Xavier Woods, now you can move Jeremy up closer to the line of screaming, mm. put him in position the way he was as a rookie when he was basically a full kind of in the mold of Thomas Davis when he came yeah. out of Georgia. What is he really? He's number 47. We're not sure what he does. Um, Jeremy's a little like that. He's like a smaller faster version of Thomas. And and I think that as they continue to experiment with those roles, he's not the only guy. I mean, when you shift to a 3-4, they had to go out and sign linemen in bulk just yep. to be able to line up because they didn't have 3-4 defensive linemen. So you go get Deshaun Williams and Shy Tuttle and bring back Henry Anderson, who's a good veteran guy, you know, just to be able to line up up there with Derek Brown. But then the linebacking core is so – you know, non-conventional. Brian Burns should be just fine playing outside linebacker in a three-four. Yeah. 
Uh, Brian Burns is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. We know that. We don't know who the other one is on the other side. Is it Marquise Haynes? Is it DJ Johnson, their third-round rookie? Is it somebody they might bring in, uh, a veteran who's out there on the street at this point? Uh, I think all those things are possibilities and things they're looking at. So um, to be determined, Shaq Thompson's a good, solid inside linebacker and should be fine, but the other starter inside is Frankie Luvu. Frankie's not an inside linebacker in a conventional 3-4. He's a guy who can rush the passer and do some different things. He's a little bit like Jeremy Chin in that, what is he? I don't know, but he makes plays when he's out there. So I, I think Cavero's going to be tasked with moving around a lot of parts and trying to experiment just to figure out where to put some of these people and how to do things with them. And particularly, like, you know, how do they operate in a different scheme? I, I, I'm trying to think, because, I mean, I guess Phil Snow ran a – we call it like a three-three-five or a whatever no. modified four-three, whatever the hell you want to call it. Like, I mean, when's the last time the Panthers ran a three-four? Well, I mean, uh, you know, Ron Rivera's last year, David Tipper's. That's right. They year, switched. Right? That's right. Ron switched to a three-four. Yeah. It's just like that's when you knew that like, you're like Ron's getting fired. Like, yeah, you know. Ron's Ron in a three-four. You know he's toast. What? What the heck? It might work. Who knows? God, um, defense is big. But I mean. It goes back, and again, it's good to have Dom Capers here because that's what they ran 95 to 98 when he was the head coach. And, you know, when you had a couple of guys, and that's why I think it's important for them to figure out who that second outside linebacker is because, Will, I don't know if you're old enough to remember this, but in 1995, the Carolina Panthers were very good on defense with Lamar Lathan on one side. When they added Kevin Green on the other side, it became great. And they go to the NFC Championship game in their second year. So that second one is kind of a force multiplier, to use the horrible mm -hmm. cliche. But that's what they need to find. And, again, whether it's somebody from the outside or Haynes or, or Johnson or this mix-and-match bag of misplaced parts – to try to gin up a little pressure, you know, we know Brian Burns is going to get his. It's finding some on the other side that's going to be the next big test. Uh, Darren, you know, there's been a lot of changes in the division. Um, how do you feel that the Panthers can contend this year? Show up. Be in the NFC South. I mean, that's enough <laughs> to make you a contender. I, I kind of, last year when you were looking at a team with a losing record going to the playoffs, I was like, every trailer park's got to have an HOA and somebody's got to be president. <laughs> the bar is low and it's in flux. Yeah. I mean, I suppose if you wanted to name a conventional favorite, it would be New Orleans just because, yeah. you know, Derek Carr's the most established quarterback in the division. Is he, you know, what's the ceiling on New Orleans with Derek Carr? I don't know. I have no idea uh, what's necessarily to expect from Atlanta. I know they've built that thing unconventionally. They've spent a lot of free agent money on interior linemen and use top 10 picks on running backs and tight ends lately. And that's not what most people do, but they've got some talent over there. I mean, if you look at those young skill position players, they ought to be able to move the ball around a little bit, I think. Um, and the Bucks, you know, the Bucks have been in this thing year in and year out with things beyond Tom Brady. They've got enough players down yeah. there. You know, do I think anybody's going to run away with this division? Of course not. Do I think it's possible for somebody to win this division at nine and eight? Absolutely. That just seems to be what happens here. So, um, and from that standpoint, I think a lot of people in Carolina sort of believe, yeah, why not us? I mean, if it's got to be somebody winning nine games and winning this division, it's reasonable. 
it's as reasonable to think it's Carolina as anybody else in the division. So just, and I'm phrasing this, and I, I think you'll understand how I'm phrasing this um, as a <laughs> situation. But like, if you were if you were pinpointing how many wins you think the Panthers will end mm. up with this season, well, we're obviously early in it, but like, right. no. Eight or nine. nine? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, Eight or nine seems like a fair estimate. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, I just keep going back to the overall competence. The floor has been raised on this team after a couple of five-win seasons. And then, you know, again, they did bounce late last year. But it just feels like it's better than that. And a step closer to the kind of normal that you need to be to contend year in and year out. And, you know, if Frank can develop Bryce Young, if he can keep a couple of these young coaches together, you know, I think if if they have success, you're going to see guys like Thomas Brown, guys like Josh McCown, guys like Averro start getting calls for head coaching jobs, I would think. I mean, Josh is already – you know, had interest. It was from Houston, but it's interest nevertheless. And, you know, if he can keep some of these coaches together, I think there's an opportunity to to develop something here. There's a stable base. You know, Scott Fitter wasn't able to find a quarterback the last three years, but he did put an offensive line together that you could drop one behind so that it was ready. I mean, it's not ideal Austin Corbett tearing his ACL in the finale last year, you know, so there's some degree of uncertainty at right guard, but the rest of the line is back intact and they re-signed Bradley Bozeman to keep all those guys together. So, you know, they kind of created a solid foundation knowing at some point you were going to go get a quarterback and then they took the big swing, made the trade and got Bryce Young. Humiliating job by me, frankly, I, I completely botched this, not asking because um, I, I assumed I will have friends who listen to this podcast who uh, I'm close with who are NC State fans. They'll be right. like, you didn't ask about Icky or no. Chandler or Chandler Zavala <laughs> who played together next to each other in college. So before Katie takes us out, just very quickly, like, I mean, Zavala, can he do we, I mean, they seem to really like him coming like when they when they the, the behind the scenes calls and no. like, you know, why why are they diving into the greatest university in America to to pluck all these offensive linemen from. I mean, if you want to protect a quarterback or run the football, you go find the left side of the NC State offensive line, obviously. Um, a big physical dude. Brady Christensen started that job last year, and he's kind of a converted tackle, a different kind of guard. He's a little more athletic, more mobile. We'll see. I mean, if Zavala can get out there on the field and, you know, he's kind of had some minor injuries that's kept him out a little bit of time. He's on PUP list right now but you know with icky i i think one of the real interesting subplots he he came into the league big and physical and you mm. knew he was a road grader at left tackle in the run game you wondered how he was going to be as a pass protector yep. well, they played a kind of ball at the end of last year where they were running it 50 times a game and it was perfect for icky i mean he was right back to what he did in college i think there's a little more of a challenge for him to develop as a pass protector this season because it is going to be a little more conventional the ball is going to be coming out quick they're not going to do a lot of seven step drop and bryce stand back there and pat it a couple times before he throws but Icky needs to take that next step as a pass protector, which he's shown indications of being able to do. All right. Thank you so much for your time today, Darren. You can watch or not watch. You can listen. No, you can read, read. all of his articles on Panthers.com. You can do it all. Everything you need at Panthers.com. Thank you so much for your time today, Darren, uh, coming to us for straight from yeah. training camp. Stay tuned for more from our All 32 with Daily Drops in your podcast feed and yep. on YouTube. Make sure you like, comment and subscribe 
to this episode as well. And we will see you next time. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, Darren. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.